So this right here, this is the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I the Oh, some of you have heard that. Some of you have heard that. It is the best-selling book of all time. Uh, five billion, that's B as in billion copies, sold and distributed. The closest nonfiction or non-religious uh, text is Harry Potter, right? Uh, so J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. We'll go with the British title. And it's only sold 120 million copies, which is a lot of copies, okay? But, but for every copy of Harry Potter, 50 Bibles have gone out. That's the difference, right? It's just not even scalable. In America, you don't even have to buy a Bible. People will give you a Bible. Graduate from high school, guess what? Oh, you get a Bible. If you go to college, there are booze on the freshman uh, week when you show up, campus ministries, and they're like, here, would you like a copy of the Bible? I mean, they'll just give it to you. It's crazy. And if you go to any hotel or motel room in America, guess what's in the hotel or motel room besides scary things? In the nightstand, in the nightstand or on the nightstand is a copy of the Bible. And if you take that Bible with you when you check out, it's not even stealing. No one will prosecute you. No one will come after you. Now, I personally own, I counted this go around, I personally own 27 Bibles. Dun, dun, dun. 11 of them are here at church. 16 of them are at home. And two of those are digital Bibles. Now, because I'm a pastor, you would expect me to own a lot of Bibles. You know, because pastors are always reading their Bibles, right? We wake up and we read our Bibles. Before we go to bed, we read our Bibles. You know how most Americans, when they're at a traffic light, the, the light's red, they're waiting for it to turn green. They've got their cell phone out between their legs or on the cup holder or whatnot, and they're checking social media. Pastors have little mini Bibles, right? And we pull out our little mini... No, come on. Did you really think that? Did you really think that, people? Nine out of 10 households in America own a Bible. Uh, nine out of 10 households own a Bible in America. 11% of Americans have actually read it cover to cover. What? That's what they say. You know, Americans can sometimes fib a little. And then another 10% have never even cracked open a Bible for any reason whatsoever, even to use it, you know, to, to get higher, to reach something on a shelf. Like, so 10% haven't even touched a Bible. I don't know if you know this, but Bible reading in America right now is at an all-time low. It is in an all-time low. Uh, according to LifeWay Research, the only time most Americans hear from the Bible is when someone else is reading it, hence the video we just saw. Now, pastors are just as guilty. I don't know if you know this, but seven out of 10 pastors only read the Bible for sermon preparation or lesson preparation. Seven out of now, your pastor, because I strive to be different, right? I just finished the study of Isaiah, and I had the thought at the end. I even took a class with N.T. Wright. I'm going to make this a sermon series. And I thought, no, I'm going to keep this just for myself. Na, 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 boo, boo. <laughs> okay? No sermons will come out of that, because I knew I would be preaching on this soon, right? <laughs> so what's going on? Why do Americans own so many Bibles that they don't use? 
Well, some of us feel like we already know what's in there. I've had Pastor Max, I got it. Jesus, 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 got it. The answer is Jesus. Ding, I know what's in the Bible. Some of us feel like the Bible's just a bunch of rules. In fact, the majority of Americans, how would you describe the Bible? Well, it's a good source of morals. You want to know what you should do or shouldn't do? Open the Bible. It'll tell you what you should and shouldn't do. Don't have sex. Go to church. Love your neighbor. Don't judge. Those are some of the things that get thrown around as rules from the Bible. Now, if the Bible's just a bunch of rules and a bunch of stuff that you should do or you shouldn't do, I can understand the reluctance to crack it open. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't need other people telling me what I should and shouldn't do. For that, I got family, right? Hey, Dad, you really should. Hey, Dad, you know, you shouldn't. Hey, Max, you know, you really ought to, you know, I've got no end to people telling me what to do. Now, some of us think the Bible is just a bunch of useless information. Just show of hands, how many of you own goats? Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> okay, how many of you have been to temple lately to offer a sacrifice? Anyone? <laughs> Anyone? No. If you have mold in your house this week, are you going to call me or are you going to call the local Orthodox priest, Justin Patterson, to have us come and tell you what you should do with the mold? No. You're going to go to Lowe's or you're going to call ServPro. That's what you're going to do, right? So now some people, some people think that the Bible is... Uh, information you only need right before you die. If you've heard of this thing, basic instructions before leaving earth. <laughs> By the way, you, you really don't leave earth. The resurrected life is on earth. We can talk about that later. <laughs> okay. But some people think it's just stuff you need to know before you die. Now, I've got three degrees in Bible, theology, church history, culture. Um, in the New Testament, if I had lived during Jesus' day, I would have had the label teacher of the law. So next time you're reading, perusing the New Testament, you see teacher of the law, think, oh, people like Max, hmm, hmm, <laughs> okay, right? Teacher of the law. Now, I've learned Hebrew, not well, learned Greek, a little bit better. I've learned Jewish history and culture. I've learned Roman history and culture. And I will be the first to admit, this is not an easy book, right? You get into Matthew, Blah, 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 begat, blah, 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 and begat, blah, blah, blah. It goes on for three, like, you know, what? And then there's the stuff in Leviticus. Don't have sex with your uncle's goat. I mean, there's all kinds of weird <laughs> stuff in Leviticus. And you're like, you needed a law for that? You needed a rule for that? What's wrong with you people? Okay? But I want to pose a question today. And the question is simply this. What if God still speaks through the Bible? What if God still speaks through the Bible? And what if after you've become familiar with the big story of the Bible, with the bigger themes of the Bible, with the major characters of the Bible, what if you get a better understanding of the kind of God that God is, what God loves, what God hates, what motivates God to act? See, the Bible is still an opportunity to hear God's voice. Now, I want to teach from a passage today in Matthew, Matthew chapter 7. And this is from uh, Jesus' most famous sermon ever, the Sermon on the Mount, okay? And for three chapters, he kind of gives the law in a new way. And he ends this big mega sermon with this. Now catch this. You can, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate, 
The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide, for many choose that way. But the, the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. Oh, beware. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but in fact are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. <gasps> Gasp. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can identify people by their actions, to which some of you would say, amen. And then Jesus ends it with this. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We perform many miracles in your name. But I'll reply, never knew you. I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it, well, that person is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So you have narrow gate, highway to hell, good fruit, bad fruit from a bad tree, those who actually do the will of my father, those who just blather on and on about it, a wise builder, a foolish builder. Now remember, Jesus is giving this address from a mountainside. Remember from the video we just saw, who else gave an address from a mountainside? Moses, he was giving the law to the people. And so when you see and when you read and when you hear about the Sermon on the Mount, you kind of need to keep Moses in the back of your back of your hand. So Jesus says this, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Jesus isn't just some rabbi. He isn't just some prophet. He isn't just one way among many ways. Anyone who listens to my teaching is basing their life. And when he says listens, he means do, right? Is, put, is, is solid rock. That's the same way that the rabbis in the first century would talk about the Torah, the law. They would talk about it as building your life on solid rock. So Jesus is now saying something a little bit, he's tweaking that. He's basically saying, my teaching is the equivalent of that, like same solid rock. Listen, listen to how Moses uh, wraps up some things at the end of uh, uh, Deuteronomy. So Deuteronomy 11, 26, he, Moses says on behalf of God, look, today I'm giving you the choice between a blessing and a curse. You'll be blessed if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, but, but you'll be cursed if you reject the commands of the Lord your God and if you turn away from him and worship gods you've not known before. And then Deuteronomy 28, verse 15, he puts it this way. If you refuse to listen to the Lord your God and don't obey all the commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these curses will come and overwhelm you. Your towns and your fields will be cursed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be cursed. Your children and your crops will be cursed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be cursed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you'll be cursed. Doesn't sound very good, does it? 
I mean, it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty detailed, a cursed life. So Jesus is saying, in a sense, the same thing. You decide. There's two ways. There's two options, narrow gate, wide road, uh, good fruit, bad fruit. You pick, you decide, you choose. What are you going to build your life on? And then he gets into and fleshes out uh, what building your uh, life on sand and on rock looks like. And that's verses 25 and following. And they'll put it up there. Uh, Though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it, that person's foolish like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it'll collapse with a mighty crash. Now, this mountainside that Jesus is teaching from was around the Sea of Galilee. And he's up on a hill. We, you know, we're all from Kentucky, so it's a hill. It's not a mountain like Colorado. It's a hill, okay? But, but he's up on the mountainside, this hill, and he's teaching. And all around the Sea of Galilee are these alluvial sands. So I'm told from my friend Martin and others that go there that the way it works is in the summer when it's hot, that sand gets hard. I mean, it's, kind of, it's almost like concrete hard. It's weird. But then in the rainy season, the winter season, it's like the Kentucky River flooding. Like it's muddy, sludgy, lurpy, you know. Can't do anything with the, the muddy Kentucky when it's overflowed its banks. It's a mess everywhere. And it's, it's not, there's nothing solid about the Kentucky River when it floods. And so the, the sands that ring the Sea of Galilee during rainy season, it's got the same blurpy, scorchy kind of quality to it. And so everybody hearing Jesus would have been like, oh, oh, we gotcha. When you build a house, you want to dig through all that sand, which you got to go about six feet, and then you hit bedrock. So don't take the easy way. Got it, Jesus. Got it, right? And Jesus, though, he, he doesn't make a distinction between the builders, does he? He doesn't, like, the, the quality of the construction could have been the same between the house built on rock, the house built on sand. Um, he makes no uh, distinction between the materials used, whether the builders were clever, or even if they knew that a flood was coming. Now, he talks about this storm, and it's probably good for you to know that in the Old Testament, a storm is often equated to uh, judgment, God's judgment. And through the prophet Ezekiel, God says this, and I think you'll go, oh my goodness, connections. This will happen because these evil prophets deceive my people by saying, oh, all is peaceful, but there's no peace at all. It's as if the people have built a flimsy wall. And these prophets are trying to reinforce it by covering it with whitewash. Tell these whitewashers that their wall will soon fall down. A heavy rainstorm will undermine it. Great hailstones and mighty winds will knock it down. And when the wall falls, the people will cry out, what happened? What happened to your whitewash? Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I'll sweep away your whitewash wall with a storm of indignation, with a great flood of anger and with hailstones of flurry. I'll break it down. I'll break down your wall to its foundation, and when it falls, it'll crush you. And then, then you will know that I am the Lord. So the solid rock in Matthew chapter 7 is hearing Jesus' teaching and doing it. Did you catch the theme of 
the narrow gate, the, the highway to hell, the good fruit, the bad fruit, the, the people that actually do the will of my father versus the people who just blather on about it. Like the key difference is doing what God says, right? And so Jesus is making this distinction that basing your life, building your life on a solid rock is listening to Jesus' teaching and doing what it says. But here's the thing. How can you do that if you don't know what Jesus said? How can you do that if you're just basing it on like, well, I kind of think, come on, let's be honest for a moment as Americans. In America, this is what we do with Jesus. Jesus always looks like you. When I talk about Jesus, I want to make Jesus as close to me as possible. He doesn't like conflict. He like, <laughs> right? Have you noticed this with your friends? If you're into, you know, oh my goodness, we need to save the whales. Let's put on some Birkstocks, climate change. Jesus is all about that. If you're up and crotchety about, we're just slaughtering the unborn and we got to, Jesus is totally for saving the unborn, right? Like it is remarkable in America how much Jesus always looks like the person who's talking about him. And therein lies the problem. We have this tendency to fashion God after our own image rather than conform our image to the likeness of our heavenly father. And so it behooves you and me to really know who Jesus is, what he really said, and what's going on. And I find that even at age 52, when I'm reading stuff, God does an Agent Gibbs thing from NCIS and slaps me on the side of the head. What are you doing, Vanderpool? What are you thinking? Okay, so let me ask a couple of questions. And the first question is this, and I'll put it up. What role does the Bible have in your life right now? What role does the Bible have in your life? Does it have a uh, largely absent role? Does it show up around the holidays? Does it uh, kind of a recurring theme for you? What role does the Bible have? And then secondly, what would it take for you to either read or hear God's word regularly? So if I could issue one simple challenge to take it home today, it's this. Five months, it's mid-May right now. Mid-May, mid-June, mid-July, mid-August, mid-September, right? Did I count right? So over the next five months, by the beginning of October, I want you to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and yes, the, the, the book of Acts, or the Acts of the Apostles, which is the larger title. It's actually Luke book two, but we won't get into that. So this is the key stuff, the key stuff about Jesus. Now I know in an evangelical, in the evangelical church, we have focused on Paul like nobody's business. So I grew up in the church in the 80s and we were always studying the book of Romans. And I'm not saying Paul's not all that. I'm not saying it's not scripture. I'm just saying that we Americans have gotten blurry about Jesus and we need some clarity about Jesus. And so I wanna issue this challenge read or here you've got a smartphone here's how this works you can have it read to you while you're walking while you're doing chores the things that you're normally the podcast so if you listen to podcasts ding if you're surfing youtube for videos i want you to add in the bible project to the mix of videos that you're already surfing and already doing why because you're gonna kids did you notice that when god's scripture was being read did you notice that the color of the people changed? Did you catch that? They went from red to blue, didn't they? In other words, something happens when God's word gets in you. It has a tendency to change you, right? And that's a promise that we read in scripture. So 
This is my challenge. I want you to take the next five months and chunk out. This is an easy, this is a chapter a day. You can do this. Now, for those of you that are like, I'm a Marine, Max. That's lame. Give me something. Well, okay. You read the whole New Testament in five months. The whole New Testament. Come on. You can do it. Five months, you could knock out that New Testament all the way to Revelation. Singular, Revelation of Jesus Christ to John the Apostle. You could go all the way from Matthew to Revelation in five months. Take the challenge. Do it. And, and here's the thing. You, you don't have to read. I know Americans, in, for many of us, were functionally illiterate. Like, we just don't read. Now, I'm still a book, what's that called? A book fiend? I don't know what it is. A bibliophile. I am a bibliophile. Hi, my name is Max. I'm a bibliophile. Thank you for accepting me. Um, so I still read. I like my paper Bibles, okay? But I understand the times have changed. But here's the beautiful thing. It's digital. It's red. You can get it in Australian accent. You can get it in any accent you want in the English language, in man's voice, woman's voice. It doesn't matter. You can select through settings. But you could hear. You've got the time between now and, you know, mid-October to knock this out and hear God's word. And again, as you're food prepping, as you're doing chores, when you're normally listening to those things, here's, here's why this is important. I wouldn't be standing you before you today if somebody hadn't challenged me to read the Bible. I started in Matthew. I got as far as Matthew 6 before I, God spoke to me. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not making a promise that if you just chunk away five chapters, you know, oh, the heavens are going to open and God's going to speak to you. But I am saying God will speak to you through his word, okay? If you don't know what's in this book, you're going to spend your entire life guessing. You're going to be guessing about what kind of God God is. And, and here's the thing, because you're Americans, you're going to make up what you think Jesus is, who you think Jesus is, what you think Jesus would support, because that's what we do. John Calvin said our little hearts are idol factories, and we just can't help it. We pump out another idol. We pump out another idol. Sadly, John Calvin's right about that. Not about a lot of other things, but he's right about that, okay? <laughs> he's right about that. So sometimes you'll be right about what you guess about Jesus, but often you'll be wrong. I want you to know. I want you to know. Why guess? So take this challenge. Read this book. At, the, at a minimum, do Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and, and Acts. For those of you that are like, you know, I'm in, I'm in the core. You do the whole New Testament. And we'll figure out how to reward you in October, but I want you to read this book, listen to this book, because God still speaks through the Bible. I'm going to invite our musicians to come up and get ready, and in a moment, Diane will have our scripture readings for today, but I want to pray with you first. Father, thank you for the gift of today. There's a reason I ask every single week that you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and understanding in our hearts. So many times Jesus spoke about people seeing but not seeing, right? We don't want to be a stiff-necked, rebellious people. Uh, we want to recognize the coming of the Lord, and we want to recognize the work of the Holy Spirit. So we ask for that regularly. Father, uh, help us to be people of the book, people who are in the book, and people in whose lives are just changed by by you speaking through your word. I pray all of these things in Jesus' name, amen.